What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another All Pistons podcast. Feels so weird saying that. Yes, we are the All Pistons podcast, formerly known as the Three Rings podcast. And we got the usual co-hosts. My name is Neil Sinhaut, joined with Aiden Mulcrone and Vinayak Swaroop. And we are back at it again. This time we're going to be going over the Pistons' first five games of the season, of which, unfortunately, they only won one of. And today we're recording this literally right after the Atlanta Hawks game. The Pistons just lost to Atlanta 118 to 113. And so to get it started, guys, you know, what 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 are some of your first big big thoughts of the first few games of this season? Man, I worded that question so weird. But like, <laughs> you know, what's your biggest thought of these first few games? For me, man, this this bench is so bad. Like like uh the New York game just comes to mind for me immediately. Like the starters kept the the starters kept the game close and then the bench comes in and then it's just straight. I I can't watch any more Kevin Knox, Hamadou Diallo minutes. Like it's 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 rough out here. I've never I've never as a fan been like so inclined to want to see a player like Alec. Like I want Alec Burks back. Like I want Alec Burks, Marvin Bagley. And these realistically are like the seventh or eighth guys. Like like what kind of fan am I? I'm like excited for the seventh or eighth man to return, but that's just the state of the team. Like the bench just really needs to step up. They played better today, but the Pistons could have won so many more games if their bench would just like score the ball. It seems like that's just hard to do for them at times. Yeah. I mean, the bench has been terrible. I think tonight, I think Isaiah livers was really the only player off the bench that I would have, you know, if we had a full roster or just like if I was the coach, Isaiah Livers would have been and I guess Duran too would be the only two guys off the bench for me. Like I would have just played seven guys that I mean, Killian Hayes has been what I thought he'd be like. I didn't think he was I wasn't buying back into him. I mean, I, I think I touched on it uh episode or two ago. I think Hamadou Diallo his uh, run was coming to an end here, and it <laughs> sure as hell looks like it. He's been bad. Um, yeah, talk about airballing that free throw the other yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's been brutal. I mean, I think the one, uh, the the one upside was is how well Bojan Bogdanovic has been playing, and I think a lot of people were criticizing Cade the the first uh four games and he he came out tonight and he he played really well and i think you know he must have saw like what people were saying on twitter or something because he came out and he he started pretty well and obviously they uh didn't end they didn't end uh how they wanted to but yeah that's kind of that's just kind of the, the problems that you're gonna have with a young team yeah, I agree. And I think kind of to go off of that point about the bench, honestly, you know, I will say Corey Joseph has been solid. Like that might be weird, crazy to say, but he's had a couple of solid games, I really think. But Jalen Duran is the only guy really on this bench other than, okay, I guess also livers tonight, but um, Jalen Duran's really the only bench piece that has been consistent throughout all of these games. And it's funny to say that because he's a rookie. And by the way, he's 18 years old, the youngest player in that draft. And but, you know, he has been fantastic so far this year, averaging, 
I think eight and a half points and eight rebounds going into this Atlanta game in which he put up seven and nine. And, you know, his motor is just so constant. He brings it every single night, every single time down the court. And it's something to really be impressed about. I think, you know, we said this before the season started and I'll continue to say it. He will be the starting center of this team by the end of this season. And I'm, and by the way, it's starting to look like that'll happen a lot sooner than later. And so, you know, I think that has to be the biggest positive so far for such a young team. And that kind of leads into the next topic of, you know, I want to talk about the rookies in terms of Durham, but also Jaden Ivey, the number five pick of this draft. What have you guys seen from him so far? We talked about him nonstop in the preseason, but how about after his first four games? Again, he didn't play today against the Atlanta Hawks. He was out with a non-COVID illness. But what did you see from his first four games? So I'm not I'm not going to come in and uh, hate on Ivy. He's actually played pretty well. Like, given the circumstances, I mean, he's been producing. I think he's averaging like 16 points a game. The three-point shot looks... I'm still I'm still kind of shaky on whether it's a consistent shot, but he's been knocking them down. So it's good to see he brings the energy on the defensive end. In the New York game, we saw a little bit of his passing. And then in the Indiana game, we saw Ivy emerge as a as a as a rebounder. But there's just some there's some things that he does from time to time. For one thing that I think he needs to uh he needs to get better at is when he finish when he finishes at the rim, Ivy has a tendency to just fall down and he's just that just creates a four on five on the way back. And then you have Ivy rushing, rushing to get back to the, get back on defense. And that results in points. You saw that a lot in the Pacers game. It would be a disadvantage because Ivy just falls down and perhaps thinks he should have gone to call. And then Pistons are down five, four, or they're running down the court and they have four and Indiana has five. I think that's something that needs to cut out. And then the main thing too, is that um, I, while Ivy's been good, you wonder how much, on ball you wonder how much on ball should he really be getting because man it is taking it is taking a toll on players such as Kay Cunningham like I feel like with Ivy there and him him being so ball dominant and wanting to make plays for other other players K players like Kay Cunningham who's last year he had one of the highest usage rates in the league I mean we saw it in the Atlanta game today Kay went off for 26 but in these other games like Kate is really I wouldn't say struggle but He's definitely less uh, less aggressive when Ivy's on the floor, and that's something I'm sure we'll end up discussing. But, yeah, that's where I'm at with Ivy. Yeah, and we'll talk about the Atlanta game um, in a second. But I'll just I just want to add on to that point about Ivy falling down. It is a weird thing, dude. I mean, and I know it's because he has so much momentum. He's so fast on the court that it just carries him all the way into that first row of the cameras. But, like, I'm really worried that one of these days he's going to get hurt from it. And I think maybe he also falls down, by the way, to break his fall. Like, or to, I don't know how to word it, but, like, Joel Embiid was told this a few years ago in which his doctors told him how to fall and that actually falling is healthy rather than trying to land on your leg and, you know, your knee buckles or something. But it's it's a little bit scary. And that's a good point, though, about the 5v4s. Aiden, what did you think about Ivy um, so far this season? Yeah, and I mean, I kind of want to go off that a little bit to start. And, you know, he's got all the physical traits, but I think the the biggest thing with him physically is the body control that he needs to work on because he's – we talked about, like, how he's just kind of a one-speed. Like, he goes at everything 100%, and that's that's fine and all. But sometimes you got to you gotta change. Like, you got to have better – lateral speed and it's not all you know vertical up and down 
So I think that's something he needs to work on. I mean, honestly, I've been I've been kind of surprised on uh, his his kind of his court vision. I think you know we talked about you know Cade not getting the ball in his hands, which I I'm all for what Vinayak is saying. Like he needs he needs higher usage, and that makes him a lot better. But I've been I've been pleasantly surprised with how well Ivy has kind of handled himself and controlled the ball in that sense. And I think I think that was, you know, a concern um, that, you know, we're going to have for a while as long as as long as they're both on the team. I think the Alec Burke situation would make it interesting if he comes back healthy because Ivy could just go to the bench and they couldn't they wouldn't have to be on the court at the same time. And, you know, that second group desperately needs scoring and he could contribute that. So I think there's a lot of ways you can go about this and it'll just sort itself out in time. We got to, we kind of got to remember we're only in game five now. So yeah, like that, that's something they'll sort out. I'm sure, you know, Dwayne Casey is talking with his assistants and talking with, you know, Troy Weaver about, about, you know, what we're talking about right now. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'll add on to for Ivy. I think he's off to a good start. And by the way, let me just add, in general with rookies, it is unreal the numbers that these rookies are putting up so far this season. Like Paolo Bancaro is averaging like 23 or 24 after five games. Um, Benedict Matherin is averaging like 18. Again, this is a Matherin podcast, baby. We talk about him all the time. But no, I mean, these rookies are putting up some crazy numbers, and Ivy's certainly one of them. Um, you know, averaging, I believe, 16 points so far this season. He's had a game against the Knicks where I think he put up around 19 or something like that. But he's looked good. Um, and I think, you know, I'll dive into this a little bit more. I'm saving it for after the Atlanta game because that kind of played into a point that I'll make. So stay tuned for that, first of all. But, you know, I think he's stepping on toes a little bit and he's just he's trying to get a feel for one, the NBA game and two, the Pistons. And so he's had the ball a lot, as you guys talked about, and it is kind of hurting some other players, but I think he's at least producing relatively well. And by the way, his turnovers are down a ton and the free throw percentage is pretty good so far. So I would say it's been a big success so far in the season for Ivy individually. From there, you guys mentioned the bench too, Aiden. Um, You know, one guy that I want to talk about really badly is Killian Hayes because you know, the bench has struggled overall. Is that because of Killian Hayes? Because he has gotten off to a very, very difficult start to this season. I'm not going to put like the entire blame on Killian, but like you said, I mean, he is the guy that uh, he's the kind of, the, he's a, he was supposed to be, he was supposed to be the sixth man off the bench and kind of the leader. But, you know, some of these performance, I mean, Killian Hayes, Man, man is averaging 2.2 points a game, 10% from three, two points, two, two rebounds, three assists. I mean, it's not it's not an ideal start for Killian Hayes. Hold up, hold up. Is that his real stat line? 10% that's his stat, from three? That's his stat line right now. Oh, he, my gosh. He, yeah, it's a pretty pretty bad. Against Washington, he had zero points and five turn. Like, I understand he's young, and I'm I'm sure. And I'm not going to be like, oh, quit, quit on Killian Hayes, but he needs to take that. I mean, there is responsibility here. I mean. He's been in the starting lineup for most of his uh, NBA career, and they finally they demote him to the bench. They give him a new opportunity. He's playing against, I, I wouldn't say, I mean, yeah, you can say like lesser tier guys. Like they're not as good as the starters. 
And, you know, last year he showed some signs, but it's a, been a rough start. He was great in preseason, but, yeah, no, I guess Killian does bear some responsibility. Also, the other players aren't helping him, like I've said. Kevin Knox is – you know, I'm not, I'm not going to throw shade at anyone, but Kevin Knox is a player that I just can't wait to see Marvin Bagley back and Alec Burks as well. <laughs> I can't no, wait I mean, to see him. <laughs> I was going to say, if you want to talk about Kevin Knox or uh, Hamdu Diallo, since I know that's also a hot topic, and I know Aiden will probably take that one, but, yeah, the benches look bad. Yeah. So, I, I mean, just can't. All around. All around. I can't with Hamdu Diallo. He's like – He's just worse. He's like Ivy where he's got just so much raw athleticism, but he's so much worse. It's, it's unreal, like, how bad he is. And here's my thing. I I, I know you you say you're not going to quit on Killian, Vinayak, but I'll say we need to quit on Killian. <laughs> Fair. I mean, he – okay, he's a decent defender. Like, I'll give him that. Like, he is not a liability – defensively that someone like Hamadou Diallo could be or like you know I mean someone like Corey Joseph can be like a liability sometimes like he's a solid NBA defender but offensively he's just I I don't even know like it it almost feels like like we're going backwards sometimes because you know everyone we talk about the like summer videos and he's like, Oh, he's getting better. He changed his shot, everything about that. But like, he can't even get into a shot because he still doesn't know how to use his right hand. And he just, his vision seems to be getting worse and it just kind of, yeah, it's, it's just, we're just back at square one and I'm sure at the end of the season and at the start of next summer, we'll see some off season workout videos and everyone's just going to hop back on the hype train. Yeah, I mean, for Killian, man, I don't, I just don't know what to say. Um, like, when you talk to – when you hear some of the interviews from some of the people in, in the Pistons organization, they don't really talk about Killian a lot. And that has to tell you something about the situation – and, you know, Dwayne Casey has never really seemed very confident on Killian Hayes other than the first month that he had Killian. Like, I don't know, that has to tell you something, you know, if you're reading into it, not to do my Brian Windhorst impression, but like, you know, I just, it, he's at a rough point, man. And I don't know how Killian really turns it around. The shot, I will say, it looks better in the catch and shoot. Like it looks smoother. But even like you saw today against Atlanta, he doesn't use his right hand. And that's a big at problem. All. Yeah, at all. And when he does, it just it's so slow and he's not going to make any moves. And so it's a problem. And as far as Hamdu Diallo, you know, I thought you were going to take it the way, I don't know, I thought you were going to talk about a shot because I'll take that. <laughs> the shot has somehow looked way worse than it was the last year or two. And I don't even know how that's possible. He's such a young player and has so much potential, so much of the physical traits, the bounce, everything does Hamadou Diallo, but the shot, it looks even worse. I mean, from the free throw line, oh my goodness, he could not make a free throw for his life. And it, listen, I don't know where it turns for Diallo. I have a feeling that it, he probably won't have too much more time on this roster, especially when Alec Burks comes back. And so, 
he's got to turn it around quickly in general, the bench needs to as a whole unit. And yeah, I mean, you know, I hate to be so negative, but it's, it, they've looked really bad. I will say, and this transitions to the next topic in the Atlanta Hawks game, the bench did look better today. I mean, Isaiah livers looked good. Diallo had a couple solid moments, a couple, um, Killian hit a nice catch and shoot three, but Pistons lost the game 118 to 113 guys. What were, I guess, you know what? We just talked about all the negatives. What were a positive of this game? I think for me, you have to start with Kay Cunningham's aggressiveness. Like so many fans were just calling yo Kay, like, come on, man. You don't have to, you don't have to be this guy to connect with the players. You don't have to like get Ivy going before you get going. And you saw it right off the bat. I mean, K just got really comfortable in the first half. You know, he was able to get to his spots. He, I think he hit a three to begin the game, but then after that, he wasn't even threes. It was just finishes around the rim and the mid-range. And I was excited. It was exciting to see K kind of back into that that form we saw last season. And this is this is the reason why I'm like, like this is a reason why like we give up on Killian and we don't give up on Kate is because with Killian, we haven't even seen him be like good. <laughs> like to be quite frankly we haven't seen him play well but Cade I've seen I've seen the version of Cade that can get you like 22 7 and 7 we saw that last year and we saw we saw signs of any I felt like with Ivy with Ivy out of the game Cade just he seemed to have the ball he just he just seemed to be more aggressive he seemed to get his own and that's probably the result of Ivy being out but Cade looked much more comfortable at least in the first half second half it's a different story DeJounte Murray definitely did his thing but um Still, though, 26 points, eight re- eight rebounds, I believe. I mean, that's a great game. Yeah. Can I just – my bad, Aiden. Can I just add on to that real quick? I have a very big, bold take to make. And uh, you know what? Maybe not that bold, but it's very early. And so I want to make sure I preface this point by saying it is very, very early. It's literally just five games and a few preseason games. But I kind of saw this coming from the beginning of the year or in the offseason – Jaden Ivey and the, a lot of these other starters don't really know their entire role yet on this team. And I have a feeling that that has really been hurting Cade Cunningham. You know, you can just tell that when Ivy's on the court, Cade is so passive with the ball. And it's not like I really have that big of an issue. I mean, in the first game against Orlando, he literally finished with a double-double, 18 points, 10 rebounds in that game. No issue with that. But there are times that if you want to be an all-star, one, but two, I mean, a guy of Cade's caliber, a number one pick should be aiming to be a superstar, the number one option on this team. Cade has to be more aggressive. He has to have times where he tells Ivy, listen, this is my possession. I'm going to get us a bucket. You got it the next time. Like, it, And I, I think Dwayne Casey also plays into this as well. He has to take some of the blame also because – Ivy holds onto the ball a ton. I mean, Dwayne Casey has Jaden Ivy bringing up the ball a lot, and Cade will just sit in the corner playing off ball. I don't like that. Cade showed last year he's your number one guy. He's your top playmaker and shot creator. Give him the ball. Start the offense with him. Try to get Ivy going off ball, and I understand the shot's not there, but it's a problem right now because I do think that Cade is better without Ivy on the court. I really do. And I think I'm hoping that will change again. It's been just five games, but I think right now it's a problem. They don't work too well together. And so part of that is Ivy's going to have to get a better shot. I think Dwayne Casey, by the way, and we'll talk about his rotations later, but he should have Cade Cunningham or Ivy on 
at all times on the court. They have to be staggered. And so, anyways, that's my little rant about that. But I think Cade is better no, than on the court. Yeah. I, no, 100%. I, no, I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, I think that's something that's that's really important right now. And just this, the two style of plays. And Cade's kind of just like even kill, just be smooth about everything. And Ivy's just like he wants to play fast. And I think I think that contrast – especially amongst two young players can hurt the team as a whole. But I mean, I'll, I'll get us back on track to, to what the positives were. Um, and I just want to say that, I mean, you were talking about knowing your role too. And I think livers was a guy, he knows his role on the team um, being a three and D guy. He, I thought he played pretty well. He was the best bench player along with Duran tonight. Um, and I think Bogdanovich, I think he knows his role, and that's just veteran leadership, and he's got to fill every single gap that they have whenever he's on the floor. Um, he's not, he's not, you know, Sadiq Bay. Um, he's not Jaden Ivey or Isaiah Stewart. You know, he's a little, he's a little bit slower, but he, I think he knows like where to go. You know, he's had, he's had more experience than everyone else. He knows like where to cut. And I think Cade found, I know Cade found him for that one breakaway dunk. Uh, he like split the defenders um, for a nice pass. And I think, I think he's helped Cade a lot because Cade has a super high basketball IQ. And I think Bogdanovich is a professional role player. And so as a professional role player, you know, you got to help out the superstars knowing where, where you're supposed to go. And I think he did a great job of that tonight. And I mean, he's been our best player so far. So I think that just goes to show kind of where we're at and where they need to be in the near future. They got a, I mean, they got a lot of games coming up and I think, yeah, they're going to, they're going to learn quick. I mean, yeah. Can I, say something, can I yeah. say something real quick about, I mean, is Bogdanovich a professional role player or a professional superstar? Here? I, I was <laughs> just going to say, I, <laughs> 33 yeah, not points. role player. Aiden, you got to agree on that. He's a, like he, unless you mean he knows his role. No, he does know his role, but he's okay. played. I mean, he's the best I don't, I've never seen sure. him like this on, on Utah no. or uh, Sacramento. No, not Sacramento. Or not Indiana. Sacramento. Yeah, yeah, Indiana. Yeah, yeah. But, but wrong Bogdanovich. <laughs> oh, yeah. You think of Bogdan, Bogdanovich. Yep. But no, I mean, yeah, he, I, I agree completely in terms of he knows his role and he knows so well, like how to play with playmakers. It's unbelievable. And he did that in Utah a decent amount with Donovan Mitchell, where he just do a great off ball movement. Same thing with uh, Mike Conley too there. But with Cade, it's just taking it to another level. He His off-ball movement is fantastic. And, I mean, we've been saying Cade needs shooters. We've been saying that since he got drafted. This is exactly why, guys, because he has such a high basketball IQ, and he's such a great playmaker. He's so great at finding open passing lanes and so on. And, man, Bojan Bogdanovic is that guy. I mean, 33 points today, 6 of 12 from 3. And he was not missing anything at the end of that game, including that four-point play that he had. Like, he is a very, very good player. And it's tough because I'm not sure if he really has a legitimate future with this team, considering he's 33 years old. But 
yeah, just a great player, great trade by Troy Weaver. Um, and, you know, I'll we can kind of take this into the next topic of like one take that I had before this season was that the Pistons would have one of the worst records in the NBA after the first 20, 25 games of this season. They're one in four after the first five. And Aiden, you alluded to it. They have a lot of games coming up. They, they play a ton of back-to-backs early on in the season. And they also have a big West coast trip. Do you guys agree with my take that they will have one of the two or three worst records in the league in 20 games? Yeah. Cause they got, they got Milwaukee coming up. They have, that West Coast uh, slate has Golden State on it, amongst others. You know, uh, Vinayak's favorite team, the Clippers, you know. So I think, yeah, I mean, that West Coast slate's going to be brutal. Um, I mean, just in their division alone, not that divisions matter in the NBA, but, like, playing Milwaukee, um, they got, like, I don't know if they have Chicago coming up soon, but, yeah, they – I mean, the Hawks, the Hawks are really good. Yeah. Cleveland, the Hawks are a really good offensive team. And I know they, they play them on uh, Friday as well. So that's, that's just tough. Um, Especially for a young team, you know, I'm just going to keep saying it. It's a really young team and DeJounte Murray makes that Hawks team a lot better. And they have two of the best guards and they have arguably a top three backcourt in the nba right now yeah i'm I'm with aiden there i think the i think they're gonna have a really rough start also i do just really want to give the shout out to Dejounte murray like i have to give props to where it's due like he really locked down k cunningham like k couldn't get a bucket in the sec like s he was getting blocked by everyone it, it was just tough it was tough to watch but you know props to murray for i mean hopefully k gets the best of him on friday but again go, going back to their schedule i mean yeah the Pistons are definitely going to be one of the worst teams. I mean, they're already one and four. Probably the, the only team that's winless, or there are a couple teams that are winless. It's the Magic, the Kings, and the Lakers. I assume the Kings and the Lakers will eventually turn it around. So, I mean, I guess another year of tanking, another year of one Banyama, I guess. But um, I I kind of want to see something similar to last year where the Pistons eventually they'll pick it up. And Neil, like you said, this is your prediction too, and I completely agree. Like eventually. Maybe in like December or something, they'll be like, okay, you know, we've kind of we've kind of weathered the storm. Now let's actually come together and play. And also, I do think Alec Burks and Marvin Bagley coming back, and eventually, hopefully, Nerlens Noel too. Getting that experience on the bench is gonna help the Pistons because I I could I would argue the New York game should have been closer if their bench was um if their bench was competent. And also, the Wizards game was another game where where I feel like the bench could have played much better and that could have been a game they could have won too. So I, I think as they get those bench players back, they'll be able to win games. But um, yeah, I, it's disappointing to see, but we're not, we're not giving up on the season in five games in. So. Yeah. And I mean, you know, part of that prediction I made, it was in an article about the season preview for the Pistons is exactly what you said that I think, you know, they get off to a very rough start, but they turn it around. And so, you know, I think the Pistons at the end of the year will have a similar run like they did last year, where after the all-star break, maybe they're playing 500 ball. You know, I think they will be a lot better. I think we'll see Ivy and Cade work together a lot better towards the end of the season. Again, let me also say with that take, I'm not saying Cade Cunningham can't play with Jaden Ivy 
for the long term. I'm saying right now it's not working. And I don't even think that's a point that people can really argue. And so anyways, I, any other big Pistons thoughts, I guess, or any other big, any big takes that you guys have? This is, this is actually, I'm going to ask you guys this. So we always talk about fit versus uh, upside with the draft. And while I think Caden Ivy has, has a lot of potential to be great, I think Jaden Ivy actually has potential to be a really good NBA player. Would you guys, five games in, fans, this is, we are overreacting, okay? Don't, don't be coming at me like, oh, you know, you, no, we're overreacting. Would you take Ivy or would you take someone who probably would fit better with Kate, like Ben Matherin? Where, where are you guys at right now? Oh, bro, five games into the year. This, this is overreaction. Right. This, this is over your overreaction. I mean, you can still stick with Ivy. I mean, I think that's that's a fair uh, thing. I'm, I'm going to still stick with Ivy just because I think he has the highest potential of those guys. Um, And like I said, I think the fit will get better as they play much more together. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'll stick with the Pistons guy, Ivy. Aiden, what do you think? Y'all know how I feel about Ben Matherin, man. I don't know. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, we all we it's all let me say Ben Matherin. It's, it's hard. But yeah, I mean for now, I would I guess I would say the course, but I don't know. I think I think Ben Matherin is a yeah. He he he's a star in the making, but yeah, I get I I mean I guess Ivy for now. I think they need more of you know, a guard like that can handle the ball and like, you know, more fit for Ivy rather than just a wing. Like they, they need, you know, kind of a, a backup facilitator and someone, you know, like, I mean, DeJounte Murray is a perfect, a perfect example for that. Cause like Trey young, you know, superstar guy guard. And then you got DeJounte Murray. He's not really a wing, but you know he is a backcourt player that that is a good good defender and has like some like great athletic <laughs> abilities and is a little more athletic than Trey Young. So I think I think that is kind of the complement they're looking for. Um. So yeah, I I mean that's kind of why I would choose Ivy still. Yeah, I was watching that uh first game against Orlando, and I was just thinking to myself like. This was a terrible tape, but I was like, man, imagine if they had Keegan or Ben Matthew. Like, Cade would just be so much more aggressive. But then the Cade ended up being aggressive. So I would also probably stick with Ivy. I just think long-term, I think, Neil, like you said, I think they can make it work. And I see the potential there. But, man, like, I can't help but think, like, with Ben Matherin or a player like Keegan Murray, I feel like Cade's game would be, like, we, would be, we wouldn't be talking about Cade needing to be more aggressive. I feel like it would already be done, but... It is what it is. If you're gonna be a superstar, like we've said, like you're gonna have to, you're gonna, you're gonna have to be adaptable to these situations. So yeah, yeah. Or right, go ahead, Neil. <laughs> no, I mean, I was just gonna say, like, you know, I I completely agree that that stuff that we said before the season, before the draft process. I mean, how many times do we have this conversation of like the best fit for Kate is Benedict Matherin or maybe even Keegan Murray. I wasn't really on the Keegan Murray hype train, and we'll see, we'll see what happens with him because he also missed the first two games, two or three games for the Kings. But, yeah, I mean, Matherin's looked very good, you know, you know, not to toot our own horn here, but, like, I think we all did a pretty good job calling that draft. And, you know, Matherin certainly made us look pretty smart. Aiden, were you going to say anything, though? 
Yeah, it was it was uh, off topic, but I kind of just wanted to segue, or I just wanted to pose a question. I mean, how do we feel about Isaiah Stewart right now? Because through five games, it's it's not like he's been bad, but he hasn't really been, done anything that like wows you or shows like he's made a a large jump. I know we talked about moving him to the four and like uh, a lot about his three point shot during the off season. I mean, what, what do we make of him so far? I just, I think with Isaiah Stewart, it's an interesting situation because I think all summer it was pretty clear that Detroit wanted to move him to the four. And then I think the Bojan Bogdanovic trade happened very last minute. I don't think Detroit had any plans of any sort to get a player like Boyan Bogdanovich. And that kind of came at the very end. And that really killed the plans to put beef stew at the four because Bogdanovich is the clear cut power forward, starting power forward on this team. There will be some matchups where he will have to come off the bench when they're playing the Pelicans. Boyan is not going to be guarding Zion. That's not going to happen. And so, you know, there'll be some times where beef stew will play a lot at the four, but you know, and I'll let Vinayak speak on this too. We've been saying we'd like to see Beef Stew at the four with Duran at the five. They've played a couple of those lineups, Dwayne Casey has. But in general, it seems like there hasn't been too much time for that just because of how good Bojan Bogdanovic has been. Yeah, if I think if Isaiah Stewart wants to be a starter in this league, you know, I, I like people throw around the bench center. He's a bench center. And I would agree, if you're going to put him at the five, then long term, I don't think he's your starting center. It just... The matchups just don't work in his favor. For example, Kristaps Porzingis was literally feasting. When I say feasting, he was, it was just so easy for him. And it's not Isaiah Stewart's fault. I mean, what do you expect him to do, bro? He's like six eight. Kristaps Porzingis is like seven foot three. I mean, that's that's a lot of inches right there. So, what I'm saying is, yeah, like you said, Neil, put him at the four, and if he can make it, <laughs> if he can make it work. If he can make it work from the power forward position, then you have a starter. If not, then at the very best, you have a player in the playoffs can come in, kind of be that switchable defender guy that amps up the crowd, plays hard defense. I mean, I'm not sure what his role is going to be. Gets in fights with uh, LeBron James. Gets in fights, gets the crowd. I mean, and you need players like that. It's There's nothing wrong with that. But I think if Stewart really wants to, you know, make some moolah in this league, make some money in this league and, you know, get – get some accolades going, I think eventually he's going to have to move to the four. And I think it is possible. I just wish they would, like ex- like you said, the Bogdanovich trade kind of messed this up. But eventually I'd, I'd want to see Duran, Duran, Bagley, Noel. I mean, I'm Duran, but even Bagley or Noel, whoever you want to put at the five, maybe, okay, maybe not Bagley. But you're getting what I'm saying. Put a center at the five, put Stewart at the four, and let's see if Stewart can hang with them. And then if not, then worst case, like I said, you have you have someone who's going to be valuable to you in the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, Stewart's also the three-pointers he's been missing them, but a lot of them have rimmed in and out. Like, I don't know if you guys have noticed, like, there was a lot of threes that he, that looked good and they're just not going in. So I'm not, like, too concerned about that. But, yeah, it's kind of – that's kind of – Aiden, what's your, Aiden, what's your take on uh, Mr. Beef Stew? Yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying about the, the Bogdanovich trade. I mean, I thought – Atlanta would be kind of a good team to do that against with, you know, John Collins and Clint Capella playing in the same lineup, but they did, they didn't really play that much together. I don't, I don't remember if at all um, tonight. So I think, yeah, I think that's something, yeah, the Bogdanovich trade messed it up a little, but I mean, Nerland's Noel, 
he's probably not the he's not the ideal guy, obviously, but he he could be, you know, someone to come off the bench and give you a couple minutes, you know, if you if you really want to try that that uh lineup with Duran at the five and Stewart at the four with Bagley being out. So I mean, if you just want to do that, give them a little breather or whatever. I think that's something to try. And, you know, I think that's something they should try Friday night against the Hawks. And I mean, even even with a team like like Milwaukee, where Giannis, we, we know what Giannis is gonna do. He's just gonna run straight down. He's just gonna go downhill and try to kill everyone in sight. Um and like Stewart would be a perfect matchup at the four. And then you have Duran or whoever. Uh, guard Lopez at the five so I think I think they have a lot of opportunities to try this again they have a heavy like front-loaded schedule but they play a lot of games really fast so I think that's something they got to try now too yeah and I mean you know the situation with beef stew kind of goes into the next question that I wanted to ask you guys, which is Dwayne Casey's rotations. They have been a hot topic in the Pistons community so far. We've seen a couple Instagram captions or comments about it as well as on Twitter. And so let me ask you guys this. Do you have any problems with Dwayne Casey's rotations? Because I'll start it out by saying I do. I think that Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey, one of them need to be on the court at the same at, or at, at all times, excuse me. Dwayne Casey's got to do a better job staggering their minutes. And, you know, when Ivy's healthy, the Atlanta game, again, not a great example because he was out with an illness. But when Ivy's healthy and Kate's healthy, you know, Kate and Ivy play the first like eight minutes of the game. That's their first stint. And then Ivy comes off the court and then it's Cade for. Um, I don't know, two, three minutes. And then we see that second unit of Corey Joseph, Killian Hayes. Today was it was Isaiah Livers, but in the past it was Kevin Knox and these other guys, and then Jalen Duran too. You got to have a primary ball handler there. And I know Corey Joseph tries to be that, but you got to have a genuine playmaker and, and scorer and shot creator. And that's what Ivy or Cunningham is. I don't know why Dwayne Casey hasn't done that. So let me ask you guys that. My bad for asking it after I answered it. But any problems with Dwayne Casey's rotation so far? Anything else that you would change? I think I think for me, like you, you kind of hit it. Like yeah, Ivy and Cunningham should be should be staggered. You know, one one player plays with one unit, the other plays with the other, and you kind of just do like six minutes on, six minutes off. I just think sometimes he just gets too stuck with his rotations, like. It's like he almost feels obligated that the bench has to come in and play in X amount of minutes. And I get it, you know, the bench is injured and they have they've injured guys, but the Pistons are losing. I mean, today again was an exception, but they're losing these games like like the New York game just comes to mind so bad. Cause that game immediately once the bench come in, once Kevin Knox came in, like the game just immediately got away. It just got away. And I I just I can't see that. Like I, I understand, like, yeah, you need to play them, but these lineups of like Kojo, Killian, Hami, Hami, uh, Knox, and then um, no or not Noel Duran. Like there's like literally no. The only shooter is Kojo, and like I'm fine with Kojo. I've gotten to the point where the Pistons bench like I'm just like bro, just put in Rodney Magruder because at least with Magruder, I know he's gonna get you a bucket. These other guys, they just they just can't score, and it's 
it's frustrating. You almost makes you want want wonder like, would it be better if like, yeah, like you said, like one of the starters is just on the or you like stagger the starters within the bench and you just have a starter playing, um, around like all time. So whether that's Ivy with the bench for a little bit, K with a little bench, Cade with the bench for a bit, or Bogey Bo- or Boyan, uh, Boyanovic, Boyan Bogdanovic with the bench for a little bit, I think that would just they just need offense, and I get when Alec Burks comes back, the offense will be better, and Isaiah Livers will come back too. But or we'll be will be more consistent. But still, like even then, like I feel like we're like relying on Alec Burks, and Isaiah. it's not nothing's guaranteed. So definitely for sure, I think they he needs to just stop being static with the bench, and also realize like if a if a bench is on a run, or if a, if a group of guys is on a run, you don't have to like sub the players out one by one and just like watch the like let them play and then then you know. But I mean, what can I say? We're just fans, and at the end of the day, you know, people are like, "Oh, you're not a coach of basketball," so I won't I won't get too hard on him. Also, the team is just not not they can't shoot, so I'm not gonna get too mad about it. No, I agree. I mean, I think I think it kind of does. A, someone like Jalen Duran, like a disservice that he's almost always playing with the twos. Like if he got if he got more time, like running with the ones and like playing where Stewart is, I think you know his production offensively would go like way further up. Because I mean, I think we saw it in preseason where he you know he was with Kate a lot and stuff, and that he he looked really good offensively, but. When you're when you're playing with you know Killian and like majority of your minutes are with yeah with like him and like Diallo and Kevin Knox it it's hard to like really get your game off and I think I think that's a problem and like Vinayak was alluding to I think you know you got to rotate the starters in with that second group and you just you just got to tell those those starters you'd be like. You know, you're just going to – like, a couple of you guys are just going to be gassed at halftime, and that's just what it is. And, like, there's nothing you can really do about it because it's either that or we're going to lose the lead because that's what happened this game and game against the Hawks is, you know, they got up but every time that second group stepped on the floor. They just lost the lead, and, that, you know, that's kind of what happened in the second quarter, and that's what happened at the end of the game. Okay, that will do it for the Pistons part of this podcast as we shift into the last part, which is kind of about the NBA as a whole. And so I'll start it off by asking you guys, who has been the most surprising team so far this season? That can be good or bad. For me, it has to for me, like it has to be the Utah Jazz. I did not see them coming in at three and one and they're about to beat the rock. I mean, they're up 12 on the Rockets right now. So four and one on the season, you know, their boys, Jordan Clarkson balling out Mike Conley, shout out the boy, Kelly Olenek. I mean, Lori Markinen. I mean, are the jazz going to make a run at the finals? I mean, I don't know. You would think <laughs> it's kind of crazy. You know, I feel like um, I was hearing a podcast. I think they're soon going to probably trade Mike Conley and, Jordan Clarkson get those boys out of there because if they want to get one Banyama, I mean it's not looking too good for them. They're actually winning games and stuff. So I was I was shocked by the Jazz just three and one and yeah, that's just that's just me being shocked. And then a uh, team that I, I guess another team that that's doing bad 
uh, that I was that I'm a little bit surprised by. I'm kind of surprised at the Sixers. They're one and four, but like I said, man, that boy Doc Rivers, you know, I don't know. At Doc Rivers led team, just just can't get. They're just, they're just having a hard. They played a tough schedule. Don't get me wrong, but um, you know, Sixers one and four. Joel Embiid, James. I don't know how many more chances Joel Embiid will get. You know, to win the finals and stuff. So, yeah, I'm kind of shocked that they're one and four, but. You know, you can't trust Doc Rivers. So that's those are my teams. I'm gonna say the Portland Trail Blazers. Ah, that's I, a I good pick. Not, I was not expecting that. You know, Jeremy Grant coming out new. He got a new home, but like they're taking care of him in uh Portland with Dame Dame time. So yeah, I think that that's surprising. Um, how well they've started and. I think a team that's really underwhelming right now uh, is the Nuggets. I mean, I'm just going to stick to the West. And they lost to, you know, the Nike's team, the Jazz, and also the uh, the Blazers. So I think, I don't know, it's got to be a little concerning, especially with Michael Porter Jr., like just in and out of injuries. That dude can never stay healthy. And it's it blows my mind because he could be really good. Um. But yeah, just that the injury, the injury like prone team is just the Nuggets, and yeah, I mean the I was not expecting the Jazz or the Blazers to be that good, and both of them beat you know a team that we thought could be contending in the West or at least you know a top four seed. So yeah, yeah, I'll take it back out to the Eastern Conference. I'm gonna go with the New York Knicks very very early again and so you know a lot of these questions we're gonna look very dumb on probably in two months but the Knicks man I mean you know they're three and one the one game that they lost was to Memphis they killed our very own the Detroit Pistons and they've looked a lot better than I expected I mean you know we love to knock on the Knicks on this podcast we've done it all the time because it's just a team that's built for mediocrity And I still think that's probably the case. You know, I still think at best, this is maybe a six, maybe a seven seed in the Eastern conference, but likely the eight or the nine, but they look very good so far. I mean, to almost beat the Grizzlies in Memphis playing a John Morant, who is might be the MVP this year. I mean, that's a tough thing to do. Then they kill the Pistons, uh, beat the Hornets yesterday. And so, the Knicks are looking good. You know, you got to give them credit, give credit where it's due. And then I think the obvious underwhelming team has to be the LA Lakers. I wouldn't even say that like, I'm that surprised because this team is just built so poorly, but to be where they're at right now and winless with a record of O and three, and they, they just haven't looked even remotely good so far. You know, the Lakers are in trouble. And I think, they need a big move eventually. And so, you know, we'll see what ends up happening with that. I think that has to involve Anthony Davis. All I'm going to say on that topic, though. Last question I'll ask you guys, who is – so we asked about the teams that are surprising so far. Give me your surprising player of the season so far. And this is positive. We don't not, – not negative. So who is who has shocked you so far in terms of play? I mean, this is that's a tough that's a tough question. I got a lot of boys out there. So first, uh, my boy um, Aiden mentioned the Blazers. You got to give a shout out to Anthony Simons. You know, he's carrying he's carrying a lot of 
he's carrying a lot in Portland. He got he had like 29 points the other game, but SGA, man, like he's just doing his thing. He's averaging 30 a game right now. He's just he's just balling out. Like I I know like the Thunder are just so bad. I mean, I don't know if they're gonna be bad this year, but they're like two and two or something. But actually, nah, they're bad. They're bad. They're one and three, too. One and yeah, three. Bad. <laughs> but that but Brody's dropping 30 points a game. I mean, I know it'll get under appreciated, but I mean. Man, SGA, SGA is a killer. So, you know, props to him. And hopefully the Thunder start winning or hopefully he comes to Toronto. Honestly, the Pistons, you know, we can make we can make some money moves there. But uh yeah, shout out to SGA for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out another one of Nike's favorite players, Desmond Bain. I think he's been playing really well lately. I think he had a he had a 30 ball. It was either against Brooklyn or I forgot. Who, who the last team that they played but he had 30 he had yeah, a, it was brooklyn yeah he had a 30 he had a 30 ball game and yeah he's been he's been playing well and i think you know john needs all the, the support he can get because you know they always play bum dylan brooks um on the floor because he's just one of those annoying dudes that randomly always gets pt so i think they need another scorer especially with uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. out, and yeah, maybe Memphis can uh, keep that that uh, that success from last year up. Guys, I'm doing it. Pistons fans, they're not gonna like it. Jalen Green, the number two wow. pick from last year. Come on, like you know, listen, the Rockets maybe not very good. You know, there's no doubt about that. They'll be in the Webinyana um, sweepstakes. But we've been saying it on this podcast. Specifically, I've been saying this nonstop when Jalen Green was getting all the slander that he was last year. And I'm not a Jalen Green fan by any means. But I say it how it is. Jalen Green has looked like an absolute dog so far. 24 points a game. Let me give you guys a little bit of a trivia. Vinayak, I hope you're not looking at his stats right now. What what do you think Jalen Green's three point perspe- percentage is off of seven attempts per game? points like the way the way you're phrasing it is got to be like forty percent. Yeah, I'd say like forty percent. Aiden, what do you think? You think forty percent too? Yeah, forty eight point one. God. Yeah. 3.3 makes per game off of 6.8 attempts. That's efficient. That's efficient. That is insane, guys. Like, insane. His field goal percentage isn't as good. It's 46%. That's crazy. It's I interesting, mean, higher yeah. three-point percentage than field goal percentage for a guard. But, like, yeah, dude, he has looked very, very good. I mean, I, I we, we told everybody at that draft that Jalen Green will lead this league in scoring one day. He, in year two, he's averaging 24. And, you know, maybe that might not last for the whole year. But, like, this is what he does. He scores the basket and scores it in bunches. He might not play defense. I mean, the Rockets are certainly not winning games. But, like, he's a scorer, and he certainly showed that. So let's give Jalen Green, you know, Cade's son, a little bit of credit where credit's due. It's it's funny you mentioned Jalen Green because I was literally listening to 97-1. And I feel like now, now Jalen Green scoring, like, this one guy on 97-1, he was just like, let me tell you guys, like, I was one of the few fans that wanted Jalen Green number one, and I just saw oh he drop thirty three points. I was oh just like, everyone, everyone is pulling this card now. We're not gonna do this. But, uh, but, Dude, you know, but props to like, without yeah. that number one debate, Jalen Green is balling out, and I feel like we should just be just be happy for him. I mean, good for him. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, great player, and it's good to see him succeed. But yeah, let's not bring up this stupidity <laughs> so of the number stupid. one debate. I didn't know that's where you're going with that, but like, come on, man, we did this last year, and everybody has crazy recency bias. Like, let's let's chill out with that. But yeah, with that being said, any last thoughts on the Pistons or the NBA season so far? Nah, we I mean, we I think we covered <laughs> yeah, it all. I was gonna say we got we gotta hit everything. To we be hit honest, it. I but... mean, we're excited, excited yeah. for these upcoming. We got some big tests. We're gonna see the team against the Warriors, the Bucks. I mean, we're gonna really see where they stack up amongst the big boys. So I'm excited to see it. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully, hopefully, we don't get absolutely killed in those games. But yeah, with that being said, make sure to hit us up on social media, subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as follow us on social media. On Instagram and Twitter, we have big announcements to make, which is that, you know, we kind of, we, we already said it before, but we'll say it again. This is now the All Pistons Podcast. That is our name. We used to be the Three Rings Podcast. Again, we are the All Pistons Podcast. And on Instagram and Twitter, we have merged our podcast account with the episode, or excuse me, with the website account for all Pistons. And so those the Instagram and Twitter accounts, those are for both the website and podcast. We'll have so much content coming out on there. So be sure to check it out, to follow us, like those posts, comment, and so on. We really appreciate all of your support. And yeah, man, that'll do it for this episode of the All Pistons podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Peace.